Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Email me at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. 
That is the letter J T H I C K L I N at soulofamericaradio.com. We're absolutely excited about tonight's show. There's so much to uh, happen tonight in just a few minutes. We're going to be bringing on uh, tonight one of our very special guests tonight, uh, a friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Yvette Kinneric, and uh, we're going to begin dialogue tonight. Uh, we're going to talk tonight a little bit about this impact, the intergenerational impact of domestic violence on children. We're going to talk about how does it affect children, how, what happens, what happens uh, in the lifespan of a child who is exposed to domestic violence, whether that is is in their uh, in their conception days, uh, pre-delivery days, as well as being exposed to it outside of that. So there is so much to really discuss on tonight, and I want you to be a part of that discussion tonight. And I want you to know that your opinion matters, and hopefully that at the end of the day that there is something that has been said that will make a difference in what you're doing and what you're saying or your perception of this matter or the things that you're doing to make a difference. That's really what it's about, beloved. It is about making a difference. It is about raising the banner. It is about the fact of standing in that place where you can be a messenger inside of this situation. We are so excited every time that we have opportunity. Every time that we have opportunity to share, we want to share because this is this is a platform. People need healing. People need to know that their lives are worth something. And I'm telling you that we are part of what God is using. And I often say that we are part of what God is using to make a difference in the lives of so many. So that's how you can reach us tonight. Area code 323-784-9638. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us on tonight. We're absolutely excited, absolutely excited about the opportunity to make a difference. So many things that are happening. I just want to make sure that you understand that our show is not just about domestic violence and not that there's a minimization, but we talk about not only domestic violence abuse. We talk about spiritual abuse. We talk about abandonment. We talk about loss. We talk about grief. We talk about anything, rejection, anything that may lead a person or leave a person at a place where they feel that they don't belong, if they feel that there's no one to talk to, if they feel oftentimes that they're blaming themselves because of the condition of their lives in relationship, we address that subject matter because we understand how vitally important this is. Somebody today, right now today, if we believe in the statistic that said every 12 seconds of, uh, you know, a woman is battered in a domestic violence incident, well, I'm telling you, somebody was just battered even in the time that we have spent tonight already on the airway. So we're here to make a difference. We're here to make a difference inside of so many aspects of one's life. This is where it starts. This is where healing must begin. This is where we have to find ourselves being more than just uh, bystanders. We want to be those that make a difference inside of everything that we've been given charge to do. So as we as we move forward inside of our broadcast on tonight, I pray tonight that someone will find healing, someone will find hope in the midst of their situation, because this is where this is why we're here. We were designed to make a difference. It is about hope and healing, and it is about this journey to hold us. And I'm so glad that you're part of tonight. Eric code 323-784-9638. That is how you can reach us today. If you want to follow me on Facebook, there's a couple of Facebook pages that we're associated with. Of course, look for Domestic Violence. It is your business. You can find us there, as well as our Destiny by Choice 2 fellowship page. Uh, you can find that on Facebook as well, and that is how you can reach us. It is really about making a difference. And if we can't make a difference, then we need 
need to reexamine why we're here, because I believe that we're all here to be able to affect the lives of those around us. Even on today, I thought, as in most of the places, uh, uh, definitely in the South and around, a lot of the children returned to school on today. Today was the first day of school for hundreds of thousands of school-aged children. And I thought about the anticipation. I thought about the excitement of a new school year. You know, children get excited, new clothes, new shoes, new book bags, new things. And yet still I thought about the child who is going to school for the first time they're going, but they left home where mother's no longer alive. The child who left home today who did not have the pleasure of mother saying goodbye to them. Do we ever think about the trauma that a child suffers even when they're of age of cognizance to recognize what's going on around them, whether they're witnessing abuse, whether they're hearing it, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, verbal? The reality is that they are impacted, and those are things that we must give diligence to, and we must make sure that their voices are heard. And that's what it's all about. Until their voices are heard, beloved, we have not done our job. Until their voices are heard, then as neighbors, we have not done our job. As members of the community, we have not done our job. As clergy, we have not done our job. As believers, we have not done our job. So it, it behooves us that we may be able to lift up the standard and recognize how vitally important it is that we must stand do our job, that we may speak out against these atrocities and not allow them to happen on our watch. There is too much to be done and too much to be said of uh, – it's too much to be said or done for us to have the luxury or the convenience of being silent. So we have to say, listen, let's break the silence. Let's say it again. Let's break the silence because there is no, there is no excuse for abuse. We have to break the silence, and we have to move forward. Every code, 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us today. You can reach us at that number if you like to listen in, or you can still reach us at www.soulofamericaradio.com. Simply scroll over to the left side where you see the tab, Hope and Healing. Hit that tab, and then click on the Live button. When you hit the Live button, that means that you're in tune to today's broadcast. You're in tune live. If you, however, want to be a guest on a show or desire to just listen by phone, once again, that's area code 323-784-9638. And, of course, if you want to speak, if you want to be a guest, if you have a question, simply hit the number one on your keypad. And that lets our producer know that you desire to be a guest on the show tonight, and we want to get you on and make sure that you're part of this tonight because it is so vitally important that you are a part of what is going on tonight. And I'm just so excited about the opportunity to make a difference. I'm excited tonight. In just a few minutes, we're going to be bringing a dear friend and colleague who will be coming on uh, with us tonight, uh, Dr. Yvette Kinnerick. Um, and She's going to share some great things with us. And when I say share it with us, she's going to share. But you are the audience, and we want you to take part in this tonight. And it's going to be a great time and a great time to be a part of it. So do me a favor. Call a friend. Call a neighbor. Text them. Email them. Tell her. Tell them all to join us here tonight on Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. And I'll see you right on the other side of our first break tonight. This is J.R. Thickland, and I thank you for listening to us here on the Soul of America Radio.
us right now via the internet, you should see some advertisements around your screen. Please click on one of them because you support us every time you click on an ad. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. You're, you're most welcome. 
I know that this subject is very passionate, is very much of a passion of yours for so many different reasons, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the issue itself of domestic violence. But mm-hmm. for so long, you know, we've looked at domestic violence, when I say we, meaning society as a whole, researchers, mainstream. They, they've looked at uh, domestic violence, and oftentimes we put a great emphasis on the uh, domestic violence and mm-hmm. its impact on women, battered women, and we talk about that. And so, so often that we've talked about that to the point that literally we've almost become gender biased when it comes to domestic violence, and yet and still we leave out the most important, or sometimes the most important, the most vulnerable uh, individuals that are involved in domestic violence, and that is the child, the children, regardless of gender. And so I wanted us to talk a little bit tonight about that impact of domestic violence on a child and how does it affect the way that child develops, how does it affect the way they see the world, how does it affect the way that they see themselves. And I know that children are dear to you as they are to me, but I think that it's time to have that conversation because I think that in the midst of the criminalization of domestic violence, we oftentimes forget about the human impact of it on our most vulnerable beings, and that's the children. Well, you know, last week you mentioned, um, Pastor J.R., that children are impacted from as early as in the womb. So a child in the womb um, hears the, the disturbances, the loud noises, the, because in the womb the child is hearing voices. And the loud noises and the, the trouble that is going on in the in the family while the child is, is in development in the embryo, and um, at the same time we are thinking about the health of the mother, the emotional health of the mother, and what is being passed on to the child in such a very um, formative time of the child's development. So. When we begin to look at domestic violence and um, we shift our focus to the wider implications of domestic violence on other individuals who witness and experience domestic violence, then it takes on a very different dynamic. Yeah, and and exactly. And so when we start talking about that focus, you know, when we begin to talk about the impact on the children and we begin to talk about that, it does shift the dynamics. It shifts. It it, it makes a great shift because all of a sudden it does take it out of that part of where, whether intentionally or not, where society oftentimes blames the victim for being a victim of domestic violence. Uh, We blame the victim for staying we blame them for leaving. We blame them for the children being a part of it. We blame them. But when we look at the fact, when we talk about the impact of domestic violence on the children, it takes it, it, it takes it to a whole different level. It's not a matter of someone having a disagreement or someone having a lover's quarrel or the matter of someone, you know, just manipulating someone to gain something out of them. It's a matter of talking about the way the child, the way the child is impacted by it. Oftentimes the trauma that the child undergoes as a result of witnessing or uh, being involved in this. And so it does shift the dynamics because the fact uh, what we see then is that we're basically, we're training the next generation of victims or perpetrators in that case, wouldn't you say? Well, 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 Pastor Jay, what the research has shown, it has shown that women 
who are victims of violence. And in fact, anyone who is a victim of um, violence undergoes brain changes and it affects and impairs their decision-making. It impairs the prefrontal cortex, which is their executive functioning, the decision-making. So when you talk about blaming the victim, someone who is being abused, they don't have all their faculties intact to make the kinds of decisions that that they would normally make if they are not being abused. And sometimes those decisions are decisions that impact on the children as well. So when we begin to blame the victim, that's one thing. Um, But it's another thing when this this parent, this mother, is making decisions and does not have the full capacity because her resources are divided, she's afraid, and the brain is, is, is impaired because the prefrontal cortex is constant bombardment of verbal, um, emotional abuse is is interfering with the way she makes decisions. And the decisions that she makes for her children or on behalf of her children, that impacts them for long term. We never stop to think about it because we just accept it as something that we take for granted. So the whole issue of domestic violence needs to be shifted because this is far more dangerous than we are making it out to be. Um, And we really, really need to put matters in place to address this. Another thing I'd like to share is that the research has shown that the primary caregiver of the child, which in most cases is the mother, just facing a child, so you have a child, this child cannot speak, the child is um, less than two years old, the child is just learning to talk, the child is just learning to walk. What the research has shown is that the mother, by merely coming and face-to-face with the child, transfers patterns of behavior, patterns of thought, thought patterns and thought processes into the brain of the developing child. So this child is now, now the mother's brain is impaired. The child is now being taught, hey, listen, this is the way you handle things. And the way you are training the child, what is being transmitted to this child from mother to child is a wrong pattern of handling problems, wrong pattern of making decisions, wrong pattern of, of solving problems. And why we don't want to be... Um, too, too, too scientific or we don't want to be too abstract, what we're trying to say is that even without the mother doing anything or the father doing anything, just being there in the presence of the child, you can transmit things to the child so that this child will take into his adult life and into his adult relationship. Well, absolutely, because we've known for years we talk about children learn what they live and they live what they learn. And yet it's still, you know, so many people will judge whether or not they're good parents basically by what they provide. Well, they have clothes, they have food, they have shelter, they have, you know, they, you know, they have, they, they, you know, they go to good schools and all those things. And yet it's still, though those things sound great, 
we cannot discount the fact of, you know, what happens when a child is exposed to this type of environment where there's abuse going on. I mean, you and I know that, guess what, abuse happened in very upscale homes as well. There's not, a, there's not an economic a tax bracket that necessarily protects a person from being a victim, and likewise a child from witnessing this type of abuse. And so what we're saying is this, is that we're seeing children that are exposed and they're witnessing this pattern of abuse. And so basically it's literally programming them in terms of how they respond to conflict, how they respond to situations. And these children, I mean, there's no way to turn it off when you're in real-life situations. Uh, if I've learned that uh, violence, a conf- violence, a conflict is what solves my issue of disagreement or what solves my issue of not getting what I want, then it, that's what I'm going to employ because that's what I have learned. And so now when that those type of actions happen outside of the privacy of your home, now they become criminal. They become criminal-type situations. So now it's played out, and, and it's played out in so many ways that a lot of our young boys, especially young boys of color, find themselves behind bars in juvenile detention centers because of this type of behavior, because of this type of mindset. And yet it's still uh, so many times the parents don't seem to get get it how this child has been impacted by what the environment has produced. Yeah, so as you were saying, Jaya, it's like uh, the child is programmed because now what is happening is that the child's brain processes is doing something different from a child who's not been impacted by violence. So the way... The child who has experienced violence, the way that child's brains behave is different from the way the brain of a child who never experienced violence will function. Well, absolutely. You know, there's been so much research out there. And one of the things I, I like to go to, and I know that Dr. Liu and uh, quite a few others have done work inside the brain development and we talk about how the brain development, how that is altered and how that is impacted by trauma and by domestic violence. And so we see that even with women who are pregnant and women that are involved in an abusive relationship while pregnant, that how uh, domestic violence, uh, you know, domestic violence accounts for nearly 28% of all fetal abnormalities. And so there are many women that may lose their children, through uh, not only miscarriage but other fetal abnormalities that are happening, but even those that doesn't physically lose their children, the impact of what happens to their children from being exposed to domestic violence is so far-reaching to the point that we talk about brain development uh, delays. We start talking about being traumatized very early on. We start talking about how it hinders their development. And as you're saying, their brain from that point on is not functioning uh, it's not functioning like it should. It's not functioning uh, in the capacity that it should. And so doesn't that lead us to a greater problem? Doesn't that lead us to a problem? And this is why I'm so, uh, this is why I'm so concerned about uh, the over-criminalization of domestic violence. Don't get me wrong. Surely we should look at it uh, from that perspective, and surely uh, people should be held accountable. But I think that we are not utilizing all the information or, should I say, unleashing a whole arsenal of what we know. And what we know is that children witnessing this stuff and being exposed to it, they are being impacted. It's it's affecting their lives. It's affecting how they 
function in society, it affects so many different things. And a lot of those things that it's affecting uh, shows up in the classroom, shows up in the community at large. And so we have to begin to look at this, you know, from a, from a additional perspectives. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's right, that's right. So in addition to the physical things that would happen in the home, because a lot of a lot of the writings, a lot of the research, and a lot of the things that are being discussed about domestic violence is secondhand. It's it's not people who have been there and who have experienced the violence. You think about a home where there is constant abuse, constant um, violence. This is a dysfunctional home. So when this child gets home from school at the end of the day. The mother is emotionally unavailable. There, there is fighting and confusion. This child can't do his assignments. He can't do his homework. So he, he, he's, he's going to school. He's ashamed to tell the, the teacher that this is what is going on in the home. He's penalized for not um, completing the assignments. He's going to school and he's staring out of space and he's worried because he's afraid for his mother's life. And, and we we sometimes forget the the real human impact that violence has. We see it from a professional um, standpoint, but when you take the individual and you begin to look at the human impact in the day-to-day functioning of that person, it's another picture that we are trying to paint. Well, you're exactly right. And uh, for those of that are listening tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and you're listening to us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. If you're listening by way of the Internet, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com, and just go to the left-hand column. Simply click on Hope and Healing and hit the live button. That brings you into tonight's broadcast right now. Or if you're calling by way of telephone, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you can listen and that is how you can be a guest. If you desire to be a, uh, have a question or comment uh, for our guest or if you desire to have a question or comment at all, simply hit the number 1 on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to get on the air tonight. You have a question or comment, and we'll get you on. Those of you that would like to email your questions or whatever uh, comments, you can email me at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That is the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. Listen, I'm right at the bottom of the hour. Uh, right on the other side of the break, we're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Yvette Kanarik as we continue to talk about the intergenerational impact of domestic violence on children. You know what? Yolanda Adams sang a song that was so incredibly important. She said, what about the children? So I'll see you right on the other side of this break. This is J.R. Ficklin, and we'll be right back. I'll meet you on the other side of the break. In healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin returns after this.
want to get in on the conversation, call Jay at 323-784-9638. differently 
We're also saying that the decision-making capacity or the executive functioning of that child is also um, different from a child who doesn't experience um, abuse. We also say that in a practical way, this child is not getting the help and attention and the emotional care, and at the same time, the child is taking the emotional concerns and, and, and fear and shame into his day-to-day activity in the classroom and in the way he handles conflicts with his friends and so on. And sometimes because domestic violence remains a hidden sin, we are not aware of what is going on in the home until it is sometimes too late. So um, when we begin to look at, at children who are impacted and we see these children in the classroom and they're not performing well, they're not understanding the math or the science, it is because their brain functioning or their brain development might have been impaired because of their exposure to violence. So that's um, just one aspect of it. And if we get a chance, we can now begin to talk about how the child transfers the 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 violence and the abuse and, and plays that out in their lives and in their adult lives. Well, let's so, do this uh, before let's do this before we move on because we have a caller there that definitely have a question there, and I'm I'm so excited to hear you say that. I want to say this before we well I'll get the caller on as well, but I want to say something that is so very important because you're talking about the fact of how the kid been exposed to domestic violence and these things how it impacts the way uh, their lives. You're talking about impacting them and their ability to solve problems and things. And I guess to a certain degree we could talk about as if, you know, uh, the trauma of what they've gone through and that what that trauma looks like, uh, the way it looks like inside of their ability to perform in that way. But we must also keep in consideration, and I, and, I, and I think you were alluding to that, that every child may not necessarily respond to it the same way. We do know children that are overachievers uh, as you know, uh, that have been exposed to domestic violence. But we have a caller on the line. I'd like to get the caller on. Uh, number ending 6250. Caller, welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You're on the air. Um, yes, good evening. Good evening, Gerald Picking. Oh, it's afternoon. a pleasure. <laughs> yes. It's a pleasure to be on the, the air tonight um, discussing the issues of domestic violence. Um, the doctor, she brought up an interesting point concerning the brain activity in a child who witnesses domestic violence. Um, for example, I myself grew up in a home with uh, constant domestic violence as a child. That means I saw my father and it was a repetitive uh, pattern of behavior every week, okay, especially on Sundays when she wanted to go to church, repeatedly saw him bash her head in, right, with his the heel of his shoes. And, like, you know, he used to wear these big clogs, okay, constantly bash her in the head in. She had to be rushed to the clinic on the islands. We didn't have hospitals, okay. We had clinics community clinics, mm-hmm. and I repeatedly saw her coming home, like, with needing 16 stitches, okay, one day, and then the next day needed 24 stitches, you know, until it healed and so on, okay?
Okay, so I saw a lot of blood drawn. Okay, and it was very traumatic um, as a child. And but one thing I, I did remember, I have a sister. My uh, I'm the oldest. Okay, but I had a, a sister, second oldest. It affected her brain development so that she couldn't talk or form basic sentences until the age of six. Wow. The age of six years old. And this this prompted my memory when I was listening um, to, to, to the doctor, okay? Yeah. And even today, right, she is, today she's in her 30s, right? I'm in my 30s. She's in her 30s also. Amazingly, she is a teacher. And she suffered a mini stroke, okay, at the age of 35, okay? Wow. Because what happened, she didn't get, like, proper counseling and didn't, you know, I guess forgive or go to the process of actually letting go what happened um, in her childhood, okay, because even in the mm-hmm. hospital I spoke to her, I said, what happened? They couldn't find a reason, like a physical reason why she uh, suffered the, the mini-stroke, TIA, but she did wow. say she couldn't get over what my dad did to my mom for so many years. We witnessed this for like 17 years because I'm the oldest, so I left at 17, but with me, it affected me more on an emotional level where I said, you know what, I'm going to get out of here. And I saw education as the means or the route to help me escape that environment. So at age 17, I did I did enter a college, uh, did at a college at a very early age with high grades to get out, which is overachiever. Yes. So hold on, hold on. Uh, Hold on, let me capture, let me recapture what you're saying. And for those of you that are listening to the airways, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Holdus. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad to have our call here. We also have on the line, uh, as well as our guest tonight, Dr. Yvette Kanarik. And, uh, and, and, and uh, Dr. Kanarik, you hear our caller there, she, she's basically... Yes, she is basically bringing to life the very things that you have said and the things that I've said tonight, and her experience underscores the thing that we talk about, how it impacts children differently. And, uh, and caller, uh, uh, please uh, please continue. But I want our audience to hear this because I think it's so very important because so often we can treat domestic violence happening in the home as if it's a normal occurrence. Well, it's something that just happened. Well, it's normal probably as far as this frequency of it, but it's not normal. It is not normal for the brain. It's not normal for the development. And we see here, as the caller is saying, that she lived her entire life seeing this, her and her younger sister, and how it impacted them. And I have to underscore this point here once again. Even when her sister suffered the TIA, the mini stroke, one of the things that was cited was she did not get the help and the intervention that she needed. And there's so many layers there because number one, we're as a people we're fearful. We don't want to disclose things. Uh, mental health is a dirty word that we continue to uh, minimize and not accept it for what it is. And as a result of that, we end up suffering behind it. And then let me take it another level, another level, and call it you're there. And then you just, I mean, the passion in me comes out because. You remember vividly that as a child, your words were that especially on Sundays, you saw the domestic violence escalate. And so that says a whole lot, even inside of probably the way uh, it impacted your, your views, even religiously and spiritually. 
Sunday was almost a day you probably dreaded because of the fact you knew that he would become even more abusive at that time. And it it went on and on, and your way of escape was, number one, you finally turned 17. But then your way of escape was to get out of there, to run, find education and get out. And so I want you to continue, but I also want Dr. Kinneric, uh just to kind of comment on what you've heard our caller say tonight. Well, well, yeah, I want to make two comments. Um, and she said she wanted to get out of there. Well, I was in a, a very personal situation, and the child that was age 10 said, I can't wait until I grow up so I can kill my father for what he's doing to my mother. That was so frightening to have caused the mother to make a decision to get out. The second comment that I want to make is about um, when children and victims experience violence, there is hypervigilance that takes place, which means the brain autonomic responses begins to change. You know our autonomic responses that, that monitors the heart rate and the blood pressure and um, fear that part of the brain that controls fear, it begins to, to, to turn very quickly. And it's automatic. It goes on automatic, turning very fast, very, very, very fast, because you're hypervigilant. You, you're fearful all the time. Well, that has long-term effects, so that a, a woman may have come out of abuse, or children may have come out of abuse, but that hypervigilance continues, the autonomic responses in the brain continues to be accelerated, and then it causes other kinds of illnesses, hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, because your brain is now moving fast. You're afraid. You're always in, in fright mode, fear mode, um, fear response mode. And those are the two, two comments I want to make based on what our caller said. And thank you so much for sharing, and I hope she continues sharing with us. Yes, thank you so much. Call or continue, and those of you that are hanging on, you desire to have a question or a comment, uh, please just uh, hit the number one on your keypad, and uh, we, our producer will acknowledge you and get you on the airways. And for those of you that may be listening by way of the Internet, you can join us on the air live by calling area code 323. That's area code 323-784-9638. That is how you can reach us tonight. Uh, once again, you'll listen to Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. Continue on, caller. Okay. Um, I also want to make another uh, comment um, of genders, uh, boys and girls, what the doctor did comment on. Um, my brother, even though it was like three of us, me, it was uh, me and my uh, second sister and the third one, but my brother, the oldest boy, um, he he did grow up. He grew up as a teenager, and he had to leave the island because he took a large piece of board and he struck my father in his back. And that came from all the years of witnessing this, seeing the violence against my mother. So with him, his, you know, all the revenge, uh, all, all the years, he retaliated physically upon my father, whereas we as the female, you know, the, the female in the family, we resorted, you know, we took other paths like that also. And one other thing I want to bring up, too, especially like uh, you said, uh, it's school time, okay, being in the community. Um, 
in our community, uh, my dad was looked upon as a, he's a very successful businessman and entrepreneur. So it was hidden. It had to be hidden. That means my mom, she usually ran in the clinic at night, and, and we had to hide it ourselves, um, try to hide it ourselves all those years so he won't get a negative um, image in the community, uh, in the community, especially in our school. So the need to protect him was there because of the fact of the image that he had, and once again, though he's inflicting yes. the pain, the fear, the mm-hmm. intimidation, and the trauma, uh, there was a need. There was a need to protect him, and we see that played out so many times in so many lives of so many uh, persons that have experienced domestic violence. I tell you, I I am yes. so grateful for yes. your calling in, and most of all for your strength and your courage. And someone is listening tonight, and perhaps someone is listening who have gone through the same situation or could be presently in that situation. What would you say to them in their journey of getting out? What would you say to them? Perhaps if they're even feeling a sense of remorse and guilt or shame uh, for having gone through this or are currently in it, what would you say to them tonight? Well, I would, first of all, I would say this. as a domestic violence survivor myself also, and in childhood, one of the reasons when I went to my mom as a teenager, I said, why did you stay? She said, I stayed because of y'all, my children. That's what she said. So I would say this to a lot of women in situations like this, and I understand there's many reasons why they stay, but the majority, a lot of times it's because of finances, lack of finances. They stay for their children and, you know, out of, out of resources. It is not worth it. It is not worth it. You do more harm to the children by staying in the situation, okay, than getting out. There is more harm to the children, the mother, the mother or the victim themselves, of course, but the children also, okay? So, for instance, my sister, she got out. I mean, um, after a while, she, she grew up and, and, of course, she had a girl. She suffered a stroke at 35. It impaired her development. Even me today, um, emotionally, even being a high achiever, it's like a multiple degrees, okay? The first person, listen, the first person I was subconsciously, I say, attracted to was a man who reminded me of my abusive father. So I went into a relationship. We went into the first relationship. It was the first marriage, vowing not to ever date or marry someone like my father. And subconsciously, that is the person I was ultimately attracted to and married. And the cycle repeated itself. Wow. You see, the cycle repeated itself, whereas my son, I, I mean, my you know, my son, he, he, he stood in because he, he slept the father and stuff, and I didn't want to see, see him go to jail. And I almost lost my life and my freedom. That forced me ultimately to get out. Wow. Okay, so I almost lost my life in the process. You see how it re- the, the cycle of it it, re- it repeats itself. Okay, and wow. I, I would just say to, to to women, please, it's only like a couple, like I would say six or seven places they end up. You end up dead. D A D six foot under. Yeah, that's the reality. Or they may end up with severe physical and mental um, um, disabilities. End up in a mental institution. Okay, for depression and, and other forms of mental illnesses. Okay, unexplained physical sicknesses, especially gastrointestinal, vomiting, drawing up, and, and 
you know, going through different illnesses and there's no explained, you know, no explanation, cancers and stuff, but just holding it inside all those years, okay? So there's there's just there's, there's certain places if they don't if they don't get out they will, you know, deal with these things physical scars like I um, show on the media you've seen women who, even you know, in the process of leaving you know end up being burnt you know physically burnt by fire. Wow. You know, and um, stuff like that. It's just certain certain places they you know could could end up. Wow. Up in, I would say, I would say get out. Get out! Don't look back. Even, even um, I want to, I want to say this too. Um, I was the one that stood up and told the social workers what was happening in the household. Right, that's sixteen, mm-hmm. and they came in, and the family was split up. Even after that, my mom still went back to him. Okay, and according to studies, it takes at least what, uh, what seven times yeah. for mm-hmm. seven times for the victim mm-hmm. to actually. Is the relationship at least seven times? Mm-hmm. Yes. I say yeah. yeah, that happened to my mom. So I'm saying even when she decides to get out and she gets out safely, okay, it may be the temptation to go back to the abuser. That's right. very real. It's a temptation to go back because, you know, it's, 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 it's a serious bond and tie that has been, you know, developed, a cycle. I would tell her, don't go back. Please wow. don't go back. That's, that's that's what I would say. Thank you so very much. Wow. You know, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on uh, the Solo America Radio Network. We do have another caller that's on the line, and I'm going to ask that you hold on, caller, uh, number ending in 2224. Uh, right after the break, uh, we're definitely going to take on that call. And if you'd like to be a part of this, part of this conversation, simply dial area code 323-784-9638, 323-784-9638. Hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you'd like to get on the airway. And I'll be so glad to have you. I'll see you on the other side of this break. This is J.R. Ficklin, and you're listening to Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. Right on the other side of the break, I'll be right back. Coming up on the Soul of America Radio, go to soulofamericaradio.com for 
more information. tonight of the father and, and the male figure, the male image 
is usually the more dominant and is in the home, and therefore is the father who uh, sees himself as taking care of the house. And the the other point I wanted to bring in is that that abuse, the perpetrator, he's suffering from an addiction, and is that because being an abuser and constantly extremely uh, demonstrating that type of behavior is an addiction. And once it's accepted, it's a strong illness that's hard to release, to, to move away from. The third point is that the child who is witnessing and becoming a part of this type of behavior takes it on until his or her adulthood. Recently I spoke with a young lady just a couple of days ago who talked about it as She's she's actually in her twenties, and she spoke about it from her ma- her mother and father's relationship. He's the child who's sitting in the other room, listening to her mom's tears, listening to her father's vile language, and of course the the mom became the um, the receptive person, the person who was taking on the abuse. So the young lady grew up hearing this. So did her brother. Now her brother is now in his late 20s, but he's become the abuser to her sister. They still live in the home. The father's left the home, and now it is the mother and her children, the son and daughter. The son has now become the abuser to his sister, and his mother, she's become the perpetrator as well because she's allowing it to happen in the household. That's the way she raised her children. That's what she accepted from her dominant husband. And now she's allowing her son to abuse the daughter. So the daughter said, what should I do? And I don't give suggestions or advice, but I asked her what did she want to do. And then she said that she felt that what she should do was to leave the environment. And I said, well, if you feel that you're an adult and old enough to take on your life role by yourself without your mother's assistance, and your brother's assistance, and continuing to live in that environment, and you know the difference, that's the big piece, to know the difference of right and wrong, then you should take the next step, if that's what you feel that you would like to move forward. Her issue was support. I've lived this way all my 20-something years, and I'm not sure if I can get the, the emotional and mental support that I need because I don't want my friends or my, my peers or colleagues to know that I'm living this type of life. And that's where, of course, the support agencies come in. Quite frankly, I believe uh, in the last 10 years the support agencies have learned to be more confidential about the situations and are more able to help different individuals. The, um, the trauma that the young lady spoke about with her sister uh, that, that that trauma, of course, began with an emotional trauma that eventually turned to a biological trauma, a trauma that she'll never forget because the brain doesn't forget. The brain never forgets. The brain learns to uh, to suppress many of the negative portions of life. They learn to suppress it, but. It, there's a recall. There's a recall from different happenings. There's a recall from uh, just talking about a particular subject. The brain suddenly recalls that and then begins the biological 
drama, the medical drama, the drama that affects the body, but the drama that affects the health of the individual, which is probably in the terms of this young lady having the TIA. Now, medically speaking, the TIA is a start, but it's also happening in other portions of her body, especially her other four, her other four major organs. So it doesn't move us. So what about the children? The best thing that you are doing, Dr. Kamarek and, and, and Dr. Ficklin, what you're doing is talking about it, educating people, making them more aware that there are differences, that there are changes that can occur, and that there are supporters. And that's what I feel and what I see with the um, domestic violence, domestic abuse, domestic prevention, and education of it all. So I'd just like to say thank you for having this type of symposium. Well, thank you so very much. And I have to say I am just so honored and I'm just so honored and blessed to have two of my friends and colleagues on the air at the same time and uh, and, and, and have lent so much to this because, first of all, let me say this, and I know that we're being listened to all, all across not only this country but uh, even internationally uh, as we have checked our logs. We have people that are listening in, in England. We have people that are listening in Africa. We have people that are listening to this show. And, and I have to say this, and, and I think it's so important because uh, so many times this type of platform is not there for John Q. Public. John Q. Public is not having this conversation. They're not understanding these dynamics of domestic violence. And so most of the time what people know about domestic violence are simply the images that they see on television, oftentimes uh, you know, portrayed in movies and, and pictures. And so people see just what they consider the action flick. They see that type of thing happening with domestic violence. But there isn't any discussion to really talk about what is happening, what about the children, what is happening inside of them that is changing uh, that is changing their course of life and that is changing inside of them. And so I think you all have brought such a great light to that tonight, and we're so grateful. And for those of you that are listening tonight, uh, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Uh, this is your host, J.R. Thickland. I'm so very glad to have our, our guest tonight, Dr. Yvette Kanarik, and uh, we have a very uh, special friend and guest as well. Uh, tonight, uh, Dr. Uh, Douglas is on the airway, and we've had great callers. And, and so this is interesting. And let me say this. I think it's important because not only is it not happening enough, it's definitely not happening enough in communities of color. Uh, we have so many stigmas to overcome, and one of the stigmas is the fact of mental health, understanding that it's a real issue. I think something that was brought up that was so important was the fact we continue to see this cyclical, this, this cyclical uh, effect that's happening, going from the initial perpetrator to the victim, and then the victim becoming a perpetrator inside of situation, and as you explained, Dr. Douglas, enabling, if you would, the son in this case, to now become the perpetrator even to the daughter. And so we have an issue, and the issue is so much deeper than what we often hear on the surface Inside of a you know inside of a thirty second sound a sound bite and so I, I you know I, I I definitely applaud you and I applaud all that are listening because this is the platform that we must get it out we must raise that issue and I'm convinced tonight someone is listening 
and perhaps they have drawn the correlation between what is happening in their lives, what has happened with their child, what has happened in their situation to something they've heard tonight. And I'm so very glad to have you on the airway tonight. Thank you for joining us on tonight. Area code 301, excuse me, area code 323 area code 323 Hope and Healing, A Journey of Wholeness. You're listening to J.R. Ficklin. You're on the airway tonight uh, as we're dealing with the intergenerational impact of domestic violence on children. Uh, Dr. Kinneric, you're still there? Yes, um, Pastor J.R., and I was really, um, really, really thrilled and impressed and, and, and encouraged by what Dr. Douglas shared. Um, and if I may, I'd like to um, just add to two of the comments she made, one about addiction. Um, abuse, abuse perpetuates addiction because you know that cycle, the, the cycle of abuse where there is a honeymoon phase and, the, and, and, and that phase, well, the victim begins to wait for the honeymoon phase because in the victim's mind, this person is going to change. And every time, every time the cycle goes around, the abuse becomes more, more, more intense. But that honeymoon phase where a reward is given and, and the, the behavior is changed, that opens up the reward pathway in the brain of the, of the victim, the one receiving the abuse. And it is, it is addictive behavior, as um, Dr. Douglas pointed out. And then she pointed out the transmission, the intergenerational transmission that occurred with the son perpetrating violence on the sister, the brother and the sister. And sometimes that is transferred with the son perpetrating violence on the, on the, on, on the wife or his spouse or his mate. And the mother of the, of the son becomes the enabler of that kind of abuse, as, as Dr. Douglas was pointing out. So I'm really thrilled and excited because the information is getting out. People are being, becoming more aware and they know what to look for and what they are facing when they're dealing with um, domestic violence. You know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm so grateful because one of the reasons that, you know, this platform is here, and, you know, and you and I have talked several times, and I know that we've had discussion I have with Dr. Douglas and so many about this issue. Here's an issue that literally that is such a that, – that is really, uh, in my opinion, a major problem in this country, in this world, to be exact. And yet it's still – I think that – in spite of the progress that has been made, perhaps we are also impeded by uh, the position that we've taken. In other words, I think that we've hit the surface, but we've not gone further, uh, far, uh, should I say, uh, far enough to really educate our public and educate uh, people on a level to understand these dynamics. And therefore, when we don't, we're leaving some people in a false position of security because the fact they, they, they dismiss the fact that they're victims, they dismiss the fact that uh, they have an issue, they dismiss the fact that they're being affected by, uh, uh, affected by this, and therefore they keep dismissing it. And while they are dismissing it, 
the abuse is still occurring, and therefore the impact is even greater. And so we have so much to do in that arena, and we need to make sure that we do all we can while we can to make this happen, and that is what we're pledging to do. I want to take another break here, and it'll be our last break of the hour. Uh, you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. And when we return, we will go into our closing part of the broadcast tonight as we talk about the intergenerational impact of domestic violence on children. I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight, and I'll see you right on the other side of this break. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Soar. violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody you can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin.
back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've taken the time tonight to join us here on uh, this uh, radio broadcast tonight. There's absolutely uh, so much that is happening and so much information that has been shared tonight that I trust and pray that... uh, you know, that you have been blessed by it, and I want you to do yourself a favor as well as myself. Perhaps you're listening and you didn't get a chance to take down all the points. What you can do is that immediately after this show is over with tonight, you can go right back to www.soulofamericaradio.com, go to the column that says Hope and Healing, and you can replay this entire broadcast back. As a matter of fact, you can take any of the broadcasts. They're all archived, and not only can you take them, you can email them and share them with someone else as well. The purpose of this show is not just for me to have something to say or uh, for me to hear myself on the radio, but rather the purpose of this show is to bring hope and healing, is to bring information, and is to set a platform that those that uh, those that may not otherwise ever think about this issue uh, may feel trapped or may feel as if uh, uh, this doesn't apply to them, that they may have a life preserver, that they may have uh, someone to reach out to them and to allow a platform so that they can find help. If you would go to our website, uh, one of our uh, one of our Facebook sites, I should say, www. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to give you my website now, www.destinybychoice.org. That's one thing, but I want to invite you to go to our Facebook page. One of them is Uh, It is domestic violence. It is your business. Let me get that straight. It's called domestic violence. It is your business. If you would go to that Facebook page, matter of fact, why don't you go there and uh, check it out on Facebook, domestic violence. It is your business. And if you would go there, you would find so much helpful information. There's also an opportunity after you join to be able to post information, uh, to be able to uh, be uh, provided with information and resources. I want to thank uh, our dear friend and our, uh, who's been such a strong administrator uh, for uh, uh, our pages, uh, uh, Indy Harlem. She has done a great job. So even as we've been on tonight, I will tell you, if you were to go to the Facebook page, Indy uh, has done a great job. She has posted things on that page. You'll see the Stop Domestic Violence. you hear her uh, give uh, very important things out there. As a matter of fact, a few seconds ago, it was uh, Dr. Canerica was talking about uh, the uh, the cycle of violence and uh, the uh, tension, honeymoon, and violence stages, and I, I just happened to glimpse over on the Facebook page, and guess what? Indy Harlem had already put it there. She's put there the power and control wheel. She's talked about the equality wheel is there. The national hotline number is there. There's much information. I want to put a very shout-out to Indy Harlem. And then for those of you that are looking for some inspiration, some hope, and an opportunity to be in a platform where there's much inspiration, where you can share and be uplifted, go to our other page there. It's called Destiny by Choice 2. That's a Roman numeral to fellowship. If that's what that is, destiny by choice to fellowship. Now, uh, Indy Harlem actually runs that page. She administrates that. She's the lead administrator there. And I'm telling you, if you ever want to find a place of encouragement, uplifting, uh, inspiration, just simply go there on Facebook. Uh, She's done a tremendous job of uh, uh, managing those play, uh, pages and uh, and making sure everything goes there as it should. And I'm telling you, it's a drama-free 
uh, page on on um, Facebook that is absolutely tremendous. I mean, we have thousands of followers already, and uh, people are there because it is inspirational. It is a place where people uh, can find hope, they can find healing, they can find answers, they can find resources, they can find someone that's going to encourage them. There's a song there, there's a verse there, there's something that's there, and we're very excited about it. Indy, I'm so glad that you're there, and and she's so modest, she'll never come on the show. I wish she would just sometime, I wish she would just answer and come on the show, but, you know, that that really points out to her heart because the fact she's about really communicating and and ministering to people, and I I just want to thank her because I'm amazed at times that I'm doing this show or whatever I may be doing on this show, or I'm a guest on a show, and if she's listening, she will take whatever the topic is, and she's automatically working on the Facebook page. She's making sure that it comes to life, and I'm very excited about that tonight happening. And so as we're in the last uh, uh, four minutes before we get ready to wrap up the broadcast tonight, I want to take the time to thank you all for listening to us tonight on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Now, uh, I want to say this because we'll be back next week, same time, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 9 o'clock p.m. every Monday night, Eastern Standard Time. But in the interim, I want to say this to you. I want to give you an opportunity to always make a difference. If you would like to reach out, and perhaps you're saying, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Thickland, uh, there's something I want to be able to do to make a difference. I want you to feel free. Simply email me at jthicklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. Perhaps you're there today you're saying, how can I help? There are many ways that you can help. Reach out to us. We'll be so glad to reach back out to you today because it is about making a difference. And in the interim, I want to say to each and every one of you, I want you to stay safe, but I want you to also raise your level of awareness I want to say that God didn't mean for you to be abused. It was never ordained by him for you to go through this type of tragedy. And what am I saying? It's not his desire. And I don't want you to allow anyone to uh, put you in that type of bondage to tell you that you're suffering. For Christ's sake, you've got to go through this. I'm telling you, he came to set the captives free. And I pray tonight that as we come on this air every Monday night, and as we're doing so much across this country and raising the awareness, that you would recognize that he came to set the captives free. I pray that you're healed. I pray that you're delivered. I pray that your life is transformed. I pray that you will never be the same. I pray tonight that even as you're listening to this, that you've heard something or someone that have inspired you. I pray tonight that you are part of of the movement that is going forward. And as we move forward inside of what we're doing, I simply want you to know that we stand with you. If you're experiencing domestic violence or know someone that is, reach out to them. The national hotline number 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. And I want you to know that that is there for you. Now, as we come to the almost toward the end of the show, Dr. Kinneric, you're still on. Uh, definitely, I want you to, any parting words that you have for us in these next three minutes? Ziklin, um, I want to reach out to the women who are experiencing domestic violence and who 
are in that place where they are trying to make a decision uh, with respect to staying or leaving. Um, the first thing is that your life and the life of the children that God gave to you are the most important thing. And when you make that decision, consider your life and consider the life of your children. But know above all that nothing, neither height nor depth, no principality, no powers, no things present, no things past, no things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you deeply. He loves you dearly. And his desire is that you live fullness and in liberty and in joy. Wow. Well, I think that says it all. That is so very, very powerful. Uh, and that is what we have to do. Those that are listening tonight, I want you to do, uh, here's your homework assignment. And I said, what do you mean homework? I'm giving homework tonight. And that homework is to reach out. Reach out to someone that might be hurting, that might be fearful. Reassure them that they don't deserve to be abused. Reassure them that God loves them. Reassure them the fact that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Reassure them that there is help. And if you would do that, you would have made a difference in the lives of so many. And those of you that are listening, I the other part of your homework assignment, I ask it you. This is your homework assignment. I want each of you that are listening, that are still on the air with us, I want you to make a personal commitment that on next week that you'll get at least two other people to tune in with you. Tune in. Give them the information. And I want you to make one of those two other persons a male, a man. If we're really going to make the impact that deserves to be met, made inside of domestic violence, we must equip and empower new allies. We must equip and empower our brethren, our men. Their voice is needed. They need to stand up and just undisputedly and unrefutably say that there is no room for domestic violence in this house. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up for the night, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight. I'm so glad that you have been uh, here with us. And uh, on behalf of the whole uh, staff and management of soulofamericaradio.com and on behalf of Hope and Healing and Journey to Wholeness, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you so very much, Dr. Canary, for being our very special guest on today. As well as uh, our callers that have called, thank you so very much. Um, uh, our tremendous callers that have called, Dr. Douglas, thank you for being there to lend. And uh, our caller, uh, uh, our caller, Ms. Sigler, thank you so very much. You have shared and made an impact beyond measure tonight. And until next time, I want each and every one of you tonight to know there's no excuse for abuse. Reach out to someone. Let them know that they are loved. Get in the fight and make a difference because there is no excuse for abuse. Listen, as we raise this platform across America, we understand that the runs of a nation begins in the homes of its people. But we also know that God can make a difference, and he is the difference. He is the only difference in the midst of all of this. And as you hold that close to your heart, I simply want you to know that we will overcome and we shall overcome. And until that time, Reach out to some child. Love on them. Let them know they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Let them know that the best 
is yet to come. Until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin. You listen to Hope and Healing and Journey to Hope. Be blessed on tonight. Time